Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Brian Sweeney, a uh, consultant on uh, IBM's blockchain solutions. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah, thank you. So um, no let people know. So do you, I don't have it in my notes, and this is my, my fault here. Uh, do you actually work for IBM, or are you a certified consultant that uses the solutions that IBM has created blockchain-wise and apply that to clients? So I work for IBM, and then we are hired in a consulting capacity by other companies to teach them about blockchain generally. And we offer all sorts of services from just going over conceptually what blockchain is all the way to helping companies determine if blockchain is good for them and building group of concept applications and even enterprise applications if you know it's the right solution for what they need. And what's the climate right now? Um, our company is just proactively reaching out to you and saying, hey, we've heard about this blockchain stuff. You know, can it help us? Or do you have to go and bring this idea to companies uh, yourself? It's a little bit of both. Um, we definitely, we have some clients that utilize other aspects of IBM's, you know, offerings. And then we think that blockchain might be a good fit for them. And then we also have people that approach us directly and ask about it. Um, there's definitely a, a lot of hype in the blockchain world right now. So we have plenty of people coming into us and asking us as like, I, you know, IBM has been around forever, the trusted name. And so people are like, oh, if IBM is doing this, maybe they'd be a good place to start. Um, and part of the part of my job is determining 
is blockchain actually a good implementation for what they need? Or do they just want to get in on the hype and want to be able to tell their clients that they're using blockchain, but it's really not the best uh, use case for them? And what kind of industries um, do you see anecdotally lend themselves to blockchain most easily? Maybe give a few examples. The easiest ones are definitely like uh, supply chains, um, because any company that sells anything is involved in supply chain economics in some way. Uh, it's very There's a lot of players involved in a typical supply chain. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, trust elements where blockchain lends itself really to that sort of implementation. Uh, another common one is food safety, uh, tracking food from the time it leaves a farmer's plot until it's served in a restaurant and everywhere along the way, all the different participants in that network and kind of keeping track of things so that if God forbid something goes wrong and, you know, somebody gets sick from that plate of uh, guacamole you served, you can track it all the way back to the specific farm that you got that bad avocado from and know exactly where it's coming from. Those are probably the two biggest use cases. Uh, we have plenty of other ones that we've been working with, but those are usually the easiest ones to kind of explain to non-technical people how blockchain can really help them out and, and accomplish their business goals. Mm. Okay. Um, any examples of uh, blockchain inaction that you've seen, how it's, how it's helped a business with logistics, you know, supply chain management, lead times, tracking, any people love case studies. That's why I ask, like, what have you seen out there, whether it was you, you know, personally involved or not that, you know, you saw was like, wow, I didn't know blockchain could even do this as well. Um, one of the interesting use cases that I've seen is for tracking the condition of artwork as it's being moved around. So there are companies that, you know, a multimillionaires will hire to manage their art collections and then say, you know, Bob wants to loan his Picasso to the Met. Uh, to do that, there are companies that will do uh, reports on the state of a artwork before it's sent to a museum and then after it gets back so that they can see if any damage has been done. A corollary might be if you've ever rented a car, you know, right before you take it off the lot, the last thing you do is you walk around the car, you have that little diagram and you might circle, okay, there's a scratch here, there's a bump here, all these different things are wrong with the car. So that way when you come back, they know, did you actually cause these scratches or uh, were they here when you took the car out? So basically the same sort of thing for artwork um, and block, using blockchain for that. So when it leaves different people's hands, they do a report on the state of the condition at that time. And then the nature of blockchain is, you know, it doesn't require trust in people, but instead of just trust in the network. That was one of the more interesting and sort of novel approaches that I've seen in the blockchain. Okay. Um, just to give it some more detail. So a car inspection, let's say there's, you know, I walk around, I eyeball the car. Um, so that data gets recorded. Let's say, um, you know, it's a rental car place. Um, I'm the guy that works at, let's say, Enterprise. And, you know, the car comes in, I walk around, I look at it, I make my notes, and that goes into the computer. It also gets anchored into a blockchain that's associated with that particular car. So uh, what you're saying, I guess, is the blockchain makes it so that no one can go back and change that data and say, no, no, there really wasn't a scratch there. What was said was said. Or are there other aspects to it that uh, that make it worthwhile to use or a better result than what we currently have? Right. So that's one of the main things, right, that blockchains are by design, add only, that you can update information only by adding new information. You can't go back and change things. And that's definitely one of the primary advantages. But in an enterprise implementation of this, there's also the idea of signing things with uh, digital signatures, um, which 
non-technically basically just means I can sign this like piece of information in such a way that it would be impossible for someone else to forge my signature. So that way, you know, fast forward a week and then we're, someone says, okay, we've got this information. It has your signature. You can't deny having signed that. You can't say, okay, the information, I, I saw that, but I wasn't the one that signed off on it. Uh, digital signatures are another fantastic use case or use of in the blockchain space. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, is there a way to take it even further? You know, have a um, a camera record the car and do the walk around, and that goes yeah, gets anchored onto the blockchain as well. So Definitely. Then it's not only that it's immutable, but it's not even a person saying yes or no, or this is what I saw with my eye. It's like a, a third party or a machine that does it. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. The blockchain can be implemented and like or integrated with uh, sort of the idea of the Internet of Things. So if we go back to that um, food safety use case, right? Say uh, a company, you know, is wants to serve fresh beef from their restaurants, right? I, like Wendy's, for example, that's one of their primary points of uh, their selling points. And we don't have any official business with Wendy's. This is a purely a hypothetical example. Um, but you could attach temperature sensors to the trucks that are transporting the meat from the processing plant to the Wendy's restaurants and then do it in such a way so that if the temperature of the truck at any point goes over a certain amount and the meat has to get downgraded in value, um, it could automatically be added to the blockchain. So that way there's nobody who has direct access to that information to add it themselves, and it's just the machines, either the temperature is correct or it isn't. And if it isn't, it, boom, instantly gets added onto the blockchain in an immutable way that nobody could fake or forge. Any um, reservations that companies or people or system owners have about this? You know, what are their, uh, their fears? I mean, it sounds like it's all positive, but uh, what, what have you run into? What obstacles? Uh, public education and just understanding exactly what blockchain is, is probably the biggest one. Um, and the blockchain generally, you could understand it as sort of a network of trust. Uh, and so people trusting a computer network and trusting math instead of trusting a person or an organization might at face value seem like an obvious decision. But to people who have, you know, forged business relationships over the past 20 years, they feel much, much more comfortable trusting what John at company A says over what some fancy computer program tells them is the truth, right? So explaining to people how exactly the system works um, and why you should trust this system instead of some sort of centralized person or organization is probably the biggest stumbling block that we have. Just general education about how the system works and, and why it's better. Okay. Do you see uh, between industries or amongst industries, um, you know, what are their, what do they express as their needs and what do you see as a consultant as their needs? Do the two match up or are you saying that they need X, Y, Z and they think it's ABC? Is there any mismatch there or miscommunication? Generally, uh, we'll meet with the companies and they'll walk through what their business processes are and then we will figure out if it's a good match or not. Uh, sometimes the most common uh, thing that happens when a company will approach us and then we'll end up saying no is when we basically figure out that they just want a fancy database. If uh, it's going to be used, you know, just entirely in-house, uh, it might not be the best implementation of uh, the blockchain technology. And, you know, there is a lot of hype surrounding it right now. And blockchain isn't a brand per se, 
but using it incorrectly and not in the best ways kind of you know dilutes the brand value so to speak and makes it meaningless if you're just using it in a so, so that it's it's not taking advantage of all the things that it offers you right uh, so the biggest thing that we want is um, if, if you can find a network that involves multiple parties, uh, different companies usually, or maybe even within a single company, but different, you know, organizational structures, that's the best way to find a, a blockchain use case. If you can find that network where there's these people talking to one another and there's some element of trust uh, that blockchain can kind of take over from that, that's just really the gold standard for what we're looking for. Okay, gotcha. And um, <clears throat> IBM uses what? Uh, Hyperledger, it's a permission blockchain to accomplish this, or are there different blockchains that are used for different applications? Right, so IBM primarily uses uh, the Hyperledger framework, uh, which is not a owned by IBM. It's a open source permissioned blockchain, uh, which IBM does contribute to, but we don't own it in any way. Um, I think it's organized through the Linux Foundation. And to some people, the concept of a permissioned blockchain kind of seems to defeat the purpose of blockchains generally, because and the most common blockchain is Bitcoin, right? And the whole idea behind that for a lot of people is like anonymity and the way that consensus works is it's competing and you don't have to trust that when someone makes a transaction that it's actually true, but for, um, or that's their, uh, you don't have to trust them when they make an, a transaction. You can instead just trust the network and the proof of work protocol for making sure that consensus adds up in that way. But in a permissioned blockchain, it's not, anonymity that you want, right? These companies are working with partners that they know exist, that are known actors. And so only specific people are allowed to add transactions and they do it with digital signatures in such a way that they can't say that it wasn't them making those transactions. So that's basically the idea of a permissioned blockchain. There isn't a consensus mechanism in the same way that there is, you know, like proof of work or proof of stake. It's mostly just known actors participating on the network together. Uh, we can do implementations of things like uh, voting um, and allowing only transactions that receive a certain amount of votes to go through, sort of an implementation of pseudo smart contracts, uh, if that's kind of what your business case needs. But generally, it's that we use the permissioned blockchain system where known actors make transactions and you can see who did what, when, instead of Bitcoin, pseudo-anonymous transactions, or you know, Monero or Zcash, like purely anonymous transactions, where it'd be extremely difficult slash functionally impossible to figure out who did what. You can figure out when things happen, but you might not know who the participants were. We don't want that in an enterprise solution, right? Because the whole idea is accountability. So if we're doing the supply chain example and we're shipping 10 computers from a store or from a a manufacturer to a distributor and somewhere along the way three fall off the truck we want to know where in that transaction where in that supply chain did that happen where were there less who was in charge of it when that happened and that that conflict resolution allowing that to happen instantaneously relies on knowing who's participating in the network yeah i guess what we have now is that um you know in any system there's dozens or hundreds of people that contribute to the data in it some or all of them could be compromised, but in a permission blockchain, at least, you have a few known actors, and like you said, with digital signatures, they can't say they never authorized or signed something. So it takes yeah. a, a huge step forward, I would think. Definitely. It doesn't necessarily need to be 
you know, completely uh, supposedly trustless or like Bitcoin. I mean, this is plenty good enough for most systems, right? Exactly. And uh, one of the advantages is on our networks, you can have private channels. So if you're a farmer and you're participating in this network with, you know, 10 different shipping companies and 20 different markets, you don't have to, if you make a special deal with one of those markets where you're selling it at a price less than you are to the other ones, it doesn't have to be completely out there and open. Not everybody needs to know your transactions. Only the people involved in a specific, specific supply chain need to actually have access to that information. So that allows you to have private communication, right? If I'm offering Brussels sprouts at $10 a bushel to generally, and then I make a special deal for $5 a bushel with you know, market A, I can have that on the blockchain and in such a way so that we can see that but the other 19 markets wouldn't be able to say, hey, you're offering them a special deal. Why can't you do that with me? So it's sort of this combination of privacy and uh, anonymity, or not anonymity, but privacy and then public access, hybrid. Gotcha. Um, any ballpark? I know it depends completely on the solution, but how long does it take to put these solutions in place? Um, you know, anticipated cost savings, uh, you know, cost-benefit analysis, any, any figures you can put out, even generic ones that... Uh, you know, from some of the cases you worked on or some of the results you've got? Uh, generally, for a more simple implementation, uh, from ideation to building a proof of concept might take two months. Um, and then to building a production-ready network could take four to six months uh, for something mm -hmm. like that, depending on the size of the implementation. You know, and IBM, being a large company, many of our clients are also <laughs> massive organizations. So building a network for a company that you know has 50,000 people participating on it takes some time. Uh, but then if we're working with someone smaller, a little like boutique shop who just works, their network only involves maybe two or three other companies, that might take you know two months. It's kind of a, a little bit exactly like you said. It's it's tough to make generalities in that way. Yeah, and a, a big organization can't move too fast because they'll fall to pieces. So I know this this probably four to six months isn't even long in the in the large corporate world is my guess. But yeah, exactly. I mean as far as like major corporations are concerned, that's um, that's like lightning fast for a lot of them. Right. Yeah. If you're gonna be completely uh, uprooting how they do things currently and replacing it with a new system, that's very, very quick for a, a massive company to be able to do something like that. It's tough for some people who work in the start startup world to see it that way. Um, you know, having worked in startups myself, sometimes you just you have a meeting, you make a decision, and then boom, like that day, you're making that change. But for these right. large companies, they, they can't, and they really shouldn't move that quickly. There's too many moving parts. Uh, you need to take time to step back and really consider the implications of what you're doing. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, to outsiders, I mean, from what I see, there's, there's two sides of the market. There's the, the small startups that are trying to have a blockchain solutions for everything you can think of, you know, supply chain, mm -hmm. et cetera. Then there's the larger guys, you know, IBM, uh, various companies like that that are working on the larger permission blockchains. It seems like um, the larger ones are ahead of the race and they're actually out there and implementing these solutions. Um, what do you see from the inside? How far along are we? What percentage of adoption or penetration does, uh, has blockchain achieved, you know, with large institutions? And what do you, where do you think it's going to get to this year? Uh, we are just starting to scratch the surface. Uh, the larger companies have the significant advantage of having things like funding and a built-in client network. You know, a startup might be able to be agile and adjust quickly 
as ideas change. But a company's, you know, like FedEx, for example, might not is not going to trust some small little startup with their supply chain, uh, whereas or package tracking, whereas IBM already has that uh, institutional memory to and that reputation where it can kind of go out there and bring in these clients. That's what I see as the primary advantage. It also has, you know, a giant network of engineers already that it could create a team. You know, we're relatively new. The blockchain team at IBM is about a year old and we're growing at an absurd pace. Uh, we're hiring people all the time. And we recognize that not a lot of experts are out there, that we're mostly hiring developers who have experience all over the place and maybe just understand blockchain conceptually, figuring like we can teach them how to do it. There's the, um, the institution has the time and the money and the resources to train people up, whereas smaller companies might not be able to afford that. Um, as far as what the market penetration is right now, I, I couldn't even begin to hazard a guess at numbers, but we're mm-hmm. just at the cusp. We're at the very beginning. Most of the people that uh, we meet with it's their first time even really hearing about blockchain. They probably have heard of like, they might have, I wouldn't even say probably, they might have heard of Bitcoin and explaining why this has nothing to do with cryptocurrencies, even though they're built on the same technology is usually one of the first kind of discussions that we have. And, you know, implementing blockchain does not mean that you have to accept Bitcoin for your services, that kind of thing. Um, Where is it going? I mean, I, I hate to contribute to the hype, but I really am one of those people that thinks that over the next five years, 10 years, blockchain is going to influence everything that we possibly do. Uh, much in the same way that today you can go on Google and get access to any kind of information. You know, in the next five years, you're going to be able to do basically the same function, but searching for tr- truth, right? For validity, for finding out whether or not something is accurate, not just, you know, you, not just getting access to some sort of database. And it's difficult now to think of all the possible implications, much in the same way it would be impossible to explain things like Facebook to someone in 1997. Um, Mm. And that's kind of where I see blockchain technology as right now. I think we're in like 1995, 1996 for the internet comparatively, right? So there's some stability there. There's been some proven use cases out there. Companies are just now starting to kind of come around and figuring out okay, maybe we can actually use this and this isn't just something that's, you know, going to go off into the wind. uh, People are starting to get excited about it. I think, I'm hesitant to say we're at a tipping point, but I think if we're not right now, it's approaching where there's going to kind of be this waterfall of blockchain technology. And for 90% of the population, they probably won't even really notice. It's just going to be, they'll have access to services that they didn't have access to before. But in the tech world, as a developer, it's definitely going to be something that is, just going to become more and more a part of your life and much the same way that web development now is a major industry for aspiring developers uh blockchain as a as a network and as a a technology is going to become a major thing that these people should be aware of and you said people won't notice for the most part and i I agree it's the machinery you know behind the wall that that runs things what will they notice what do you think that you know you as like a regular consumer or me or you know, the public, what will they notice in the next five or six years? What do you think will change in their lives? I think it's just access to new services. So uh, for some people, it might be difficult to remember a time before the ability to like track packages on the internet. But if you mm-hmm. can remember the first time you were able to get the shipping information for your FedEx package, and you could see it going from one place to another, and how that was just like the most amazing thing you could ever do, like this is fantastic. And then 
You had things like doing online banking once people started to trust it. And then you had like Amazon and eBay and all these sorts of things. Uh, I think that that's going to be a similar sort of thing for the services that blockchain enables, right? So as like I said earlier, instead of querying for information, querying for trust. So if you're buying a house, right, uh, you don't have to now hire a title insurance company to do all this research like, has this house ever been flooded? Is this house zoned correctly? Are the people that own the house actually the people that own the house? That kind of industry might not even exist anymore. And instead, you'll just have a publicly accessible database of, of real estate transactions that you can go onto and you can see in this verifiable, secure way, all this information about the properties that you're buying. You know, that's the one possible implementation right there that, you know, I'm not gonna say everybody buys a house, but a lot of people are buying and selling properties and the ability to give access to that information freely and openly is going to save time, it's gonna save money. And uh, I mean, if we're being honest, it is gonna cost jobs much in the same way that any significant advancement in technology does. But uh, it's the future and it's happening whether or not people want it. I got you. Do IBM and these other companies, I mean, you know, I know you can't speak for them, but I guess this may be a big revenue source and uh, there may be some large companies that shift entirely to blockchain fulfillment, blockchain um, implementation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. I guess I can and, see it becoming a spinoff of, of a whole large division of IBM or some other company or, you yeah. Yeah, companies, if they're able to quickly adapt, they're probably going to implement their own little blockchain divisions to kind of build off of these technologies. And then we're probably also going to have companies like, you know, Google and Facebook that 15 years ago didn't exist and have become major world players in the marketplaces. There are going to be new companies that just seemingly pop up out of nowhere overnight and become dominant just because they got the technology first. They have a, a good and secure implementation, and they build that trust relationship with companies and with the public. Yeah, and last question. What impresses you about blockchain? Like, why do you like it? Is it because the results are amazing and radically better, or are there other reasons that, uh, that get you interested in this? I, I feel like, like most people who got interested in blockchain, I started with the whole uh, cryptocurrencies thing and being a millennial, I have lots of reasons not to be really trusting of central institutions like banks and things like that. And I like the idea of not having to have faith in someone or something in order to interact with them. Um, I really like that idea. Uh, I like the idea of being able to control my own identity and being in control of my internet persona and who I am and the way that I can interact with these companies. It's entirely up to me. Whereas today, you know, Facebook makes money off of my identity and my information without me even knowing it. I like the idea of kind of pushing out the innovation from central networks and from the center of a network and to the, to the outskirts, right? The open source nature of it, where there is no one sort of in control. And it's this sort of a thing that doesn't really make sense in theory. And in theory, it shouldn't work, but somehow it does. It's kind of like Wikipedia, right? Like if you explained Wikipedia to someone who never used it, like, oh, it's this internet encyclopedia and anybody can go on there and edit it. And it uh, has generally a pretty good source of information. Um, it's more or less accurate. That's fantastic. If you explain it to someone who'd never heard of it or used it, they'd be like, okay, there's no way that could possibly work. It's going to be rife with trolls and just the network effect won't help take over. Um, that's yeah. kind of what gets me excited about it, that it's a seemingly absurd idea uh, when you first kind of get into it. But then once you, once you see it in action, it actually does work. 
And I, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what the future holds. Um, and that's kind of what gets me excited. Okay. Well, very good. So if uh, listeners want to get in contact with you, talk to you about, uh, you know, consulting and all that, uh, what's the best way to get in touch? Uh, well, they can hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, Brian Sweeney, I, I think my LinkedIn information is just uh, linkedin.com slash BP Sweeney. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email at my IBM email address, uh, brian.sweeney at ibm.com. Brian with an I, Sweeney with an E-Y at the end. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to talk about this in a professional context, casually. It's my life's work. Not really, but you know, it's what I do right now. It's very exciting to me. And right. I'm happy to kind of just share the love, share the knowledge as much as I can. All right. That's great, Brian. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here. Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review and discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.